Hello, and welcome to Twice Exceptional, Teens Exploring and Living with Neurodiversity. I am your host, Kate. I am 16 years old, the middle child of three, and I know how to sew. More importantly, I have ADHD and am gifted, making me twice exceptional. I started this podcast because living with ADHD can be difficult, and I wanted to find a way to reach people and share some information from the perspective of a neurodivergent teenager with a neurodiverse sibling. So in this podcast, I discuss my experiences living with ADHD, interview guests with all sorts of forms of neurodiversity, and research different aspects of neurodiversity. Today, I will not be discussing an actual form of neurodiversity, but rather a common co-occurring condition, especially with ADHD. Additionally, I will be interviewing my brother as he's very passionate about this subject. So this week, my brother actually turned 14. Super exciting. So um, he might say 13 during the interview, but his birthday was after that. Also, I've been super busy recently, but I'm so excited for more episodes and have a lot more plans, and I'm excited to share with you guys. But if there's things that you guys want to see in episodes, please reach out by email to me at twiceexceptionalpodcast at gmail.com and let me know what you want to hear. So today I'm going to be talking about RSD. So rejection sensitive dysphoria, also known as RSD, is defined as an overwhelming emotional sensation associated with feelings of rejection. The rejection may be real, or the person may just perceive rejection when it wasn't actually there. The results of RSD are low self-esteem and emotional difficulties. It is a fairly new topic in the medical fields and is not yet recognized in DSM-5 with the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. The fifth edition came out in, like, I think it was, like, 2012, and but it was edited in, like, March. ADHD is closely ranked with rejection-sensitive dysphoria. Some studies believe it may only be present in people with ADHD, but as it is a new condition, not much is known about the likelihood yet. One reason for this link between ADHD and RSD is that ADHD itself increases the chance of facing rejection due to not fitting in and being bad at controlling their impulses. Because people with ADHD tend to be very impulsive and they also have to deal with those emotional struggles that come with having neurodiversity. Similarly, autism is also frequently associated with RSD because of difficulty perceiving social cues and pure rejection. So, rejection-sensitive dysphoria can be internalized or it can be externalized, depending on the case, and can negatively affect relationships. So, some symptoms of RSD include obsessively thinking about negative experiences, Perceiving rejection when it's not actually occurring. Small rejection being viewed as catastrophic. Misperceiving constructive criticism, requests for more, or neutral feedback as rejection. And perfectionism or people-pleasing tendencies. So my brother and I both have RSD, and we've both discussed some of these symptoms before, and some of them present themselves more in one person than the other, so for example, I have a little bit more of the perfectionist, 
perfectionism or people-pleasing tendencies than my brother has. There is no official diagnosis for RSD either, but a therapist or a doctor may determine his presence. Usually, at this point, you would have a pretty good idea if you find a lot of these symptoms relate to you. So treatment for RSD could include ADHD medications or antidepressants, but the main things are therapy, support, and coping mechanisms. So some coping mechanisms would include education about RSD, because knowing the condition and knowing what is happening in your brain is like half of the battle to understanding how to treat it. Delayed responses, so not acting on that impulse, especially with the kids with ADHD, to immediately feel rejection and immediately yell at the person, instead taking the time to think about it before responding. Talking about RSD, so bringing it up to people you care about and letting other people know what is going on so they understand what you're feeling and can understand how to better express their emotions. And finally, choosing the right relationships. If you're facing a large amount of rejection, it might not necessarily just be you perceiving rejection. So you need to find people who care and will support you no matter what. And so, hello Patrick, thank you for joining me today. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, so first I want to start with just a little bit of background information. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself, like your name, your age, and your connection to neurodiversity? I'm Patrick, I'm 13, and I have ADHD. When did you first hear about ADHD just in general in your life? Do you remember that moment? Uh, well, my, f- my only memory about, my first memory about ADHD is uh, Black Friday. Black Friday coffee shopping. Because coffee makes you calmer when you have ADHD. Yeah, I think mom was the one who mentioned that. Yeah. And I didn't really know what ADHD was at that point in time, and I don't think Neither you did, did either. I, and I then, know we were diagnosed. Yes, we were. no idea what it was. And then, do you remember anything about your life before your diagnosis? Like, anything just about how you felt? Very energetic. Yeah, because you were diagnosed when you were, what, eight? Seven? So you were pretty young, right? Yeah. Okay. So you don't remember that much, but being very energetic was part of that. I remember you were very energetic. You used to be a lot more violent, like physically violent, because you liked moving around a lot. Probably the hyperactivity and impulsivity cards. Probably. So how has ADHD helped you, especially as it relates to school? I mean, sometimes it can help. Sometimes it can destroy you. Uh, it helps when you get hyper-focused on a school project, so you get it all done in five minutes in the class, or you just decide to do it in five minutes in the class. And you can also do anything in any amount of time. So the hyper-focus helps with procrastinating. Yes, and you can procrastinate as long as you want and still somehow get it all done. I have actually one story about that, which is my favorite. Which What's is, the story? Um, so I had religion class. I was not prepared. I had no idea. I never know when religion classes. Um, so we have a study guide due, and it was not posted 
anywhere for me to check. So when we were printing the study guides out to turn them in, I did the entire thing in probably under two minutes, printed it out and then turned it in, and I still got a hundred on it. Okay, that's not, you shouldn't procrastinate that much, but okay. It wasn't procrastination, it was more I didn't know. Forgetfulness more? No, it literally was nowhere for me to check. And then, has there been any significant struggles when it came with ADHD? You can talk about RSD or just other struggles. RSD, 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 RSD. Well, that's more a separate condition in general. Mm -hmm. Um, Struggles would be procrastination and stuff. And hyper-focusing on the wrong things at the wrong time. When I'm in a class that I don't care at all about, it's very hard for me to pay attention. Okay. What about socially? Do you think there's struggles socially if you have ADHD? Um, sometimes yes and sometimes no. I mean, if you're with people with ADHD, you're like five times more likely to do better with them. Mm-hmm. But with people without ADHD, it's going to be much worse. Oh, yeah. And then, what part of ADHD do you think needs to be addressed more and why? What part of ADHD needs to be addressed more and why? Um, Like, for example, for me personally, I think that the hypersensitivity needs to be addressed more because people don't talk about hypersensitivity, but I have bad hypersensitivity, so, like, I react badly to certain situations because, like, I'm overly sensitive to loud noises and smells and textures and stuff. Yeah. Well, see, the problem with me is that I don't have some of the really bad parts of ADHD. Mm-hmm. Like the hypersensitivity and stuff, that uh-huh. part I don't have. Yeah, that's, that's So fine. when you start crying out for no reason, I don't understand why. Is there parts that you do have that have caused problems? The impulsivity would be part of it. And more teachers not understanding that ADHD does affect a lot more than they think. That's true. Yeah. Because most teachers just think that ADHD is just like, oh, they're crazy. They move a lot and then not actually how much it actually affects your life. Do you tell people that you have ADHD? No. Why would I? I don't know. Some people say no. Some people say yes. I personally have no problem telling people I have ADHD, but I understand why certain people do. But can you explain for the listeners why you choose not to tell people? Well, sometimes ADHD has a bad rep. And also, another thing, it kind of seems awkward for me to mention out of the blue to a stranger, oh yeah, I have ADHD, by the way. I mean your friends and teachers. Teachers definitely know, but that's... Um, and with friends, well... Only if it actually ends up... Part of it, the symptoms affect them. Like, I'll explain why 
I did what I did. Okay. But you don't normally tell people because of the bad rep ADHD gets. Yes. Okay. And then what stereotypes have you faced? Have you faced any stereotypes because of ADHD? No, but that also plays into the fact that I don't tell people about it. What stereotypes have you heard about ADHD? Crazy little boys who have no self-control and won't stop moving. And also, a little bit of it is sometimes people think people with ADHD are dumb, actually. Yeah. Or just overly sensitive and, you know. Yeah, I've had that before where, like for me, example, when I was diagnosed, everyone was surprised because I had good grades, but I'm like, it's not, you can have good grades and have ADHD at the same time. Mm -hmm. And then what can friends and family members do to provide support for you? The only thing they can do is just be understanding of the struggle you're going through. So you want people to be understanding? So maybe education? Education, it would be nice. And just understand, especially with RST, how hard it is just to talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you've mentioned RSD being a struggle a few times at this point. So now let's talk about RSD a little bit. In your own words, what do you think RSD is? For me, RSD is, um, it's when your brain comes up with every single reason in an overwhelming way why not to do this uh, something. So it's kind of similar to anxiety in a sense of like holding you back from doing something because you're worried? Yes, it's finding every single reason on how this could go wrong even if there is no way for it to go wrong no matter what even like saying oh well that's impossible for that to happen no matter what even even if it's just like raising your hand because you know the answer or because of guessing your brain will come up with every single reason on why that's a bad idea because RSD replies to so many things that it's not even just social, actually. It can be anything at all. Mm-hmm. All right. So do you have any examples of, like, what RSD might look like? Um, asking a teacher for help on stuff, talking to teeth, raising your hand in class can be very hard sometimes. Um, let's see here. Talking to your parents can be hard. So overwhelming that, like, I even like telling myself to just always do There's no reason to be, like, this crazy about it. But nothing can stop you from going crazy about it. Okay. Do you think that learning about RSD has helped you learn a little bit more about why you act a certain way? Yes. And do you find that helpful then? It's helpful to know why and to give a reason for everyone who's like, oh, there's no, why are you so, why is it so hard for you to do that? Like, if you have a reason, it's much more helpful. Uh, 
so it's helpful to understand the reason why you do certain things then. Yes. Okay. And then back to the actual ADHD. Is there any coping mechanisms for ADHD that you found that work well for you? Minus taking medication. Uh, no. Not really. ADHD isn't really something you can have a coping mechanism for because it's not like any, everyone else thinks. It's not something that needs a coping mechanism, really. That makes sense, yeah. So, like... Because then that's just more trying to suppress it, not actually trying to cope with it. Have you had any recent hyperfixations or hyperfixations in the past that you think would be fun to talk about? <sighs> I know you've been into Rubik's Cubes. You were into archery. You were into Legos. You've been into Legos multiple times. Yeah, it's just Legos in general. <laughs> Everyone's been into Legos at least once in their lives. You can't lie to me and say nobody has. <laughs> um, one of the odder ones was just researching laptops that I would want. Like, not that I actually would ever be able to get, but, like, just researching laptops that would be nice to have. Okay, so let's talk about me. Whoa. You have a sibling who has ADHD, which is me, and then you also have Grace who does not have ADHD. What's it like having a sibling who also has ADHD? Um, well, it's nice when they hyper-focus on cooking. Because <laughs> then I you like get cooking. good food, which is always nice and you don't have to work best part. Okay. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, well, it's nice to have someone who knows what you're going through mm -hmm. and can understand what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I know you were diagnosed with ADHD when you were younger, but when did you start actually like researching or learning more about ADHD? Because for me, I was diagnosed. I was like, okay, whatever. But I didn't start actually learning anything until I saw a TikTok video on Instagram in like 2020, and I was like, "Oh, I relate to that." Yeah, that that's that that's kind of except that you showed me the videos. I did show you the videos. That's the only way I would know anything about it. Because for me, that's kind of when that passion developed of, oh, this is actually interesting. Because before that, I feel like I got the diagnosis, but I didn't really know what it meant. And I didn't really care what it meant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Recently, we went on a trip to London and Edinburgh. That's what my favorite part of that trip was. <laughs> I'm going to walk out right now. <laughs> okay, I won't ask you that. You can ask me questions. Become the interviewer. What's it like having a brother with ADHD? It's interesting because sometimes you're really nice to me and you do things and you're nice to me and you understand me and then other times you get really annoyed with me and I start crying and then you get really annoyed because I'm crying. Yeah, well, because you're crying for no reason. <laughs> but yeah, it's nice because sometimes I feel like you understand me, but at other points... It's interesting when you have conversations with two people with ADHD because ADHD is like weird. And I don't know what situations you've had where you're around people with ADHD, but like 
when neurodiverse people meet, it's always a really interesting interaction. Ooh, I figured out an answer to another question. What question? The, uh, what's, what's the least addressed part? What's the least addressed part? For me, it would be the audio processing part. Oh, yeah. You might just have audio processing disorder. I you know? probably do. I was looking it up the other day because someone mentioned it. Well, I don't know if it's part of it or not. It kind of is. But, like, your audio processing unit in your brain doesn't, it likes just, it's like random checking at security, except it's doing that with words, and the random check is throwing the word into a blender, and then spitting it out. Yeah, because, like, we, he he's fantastic, he has perfect hearing, but Patrick is really bad at understanding words at times, and it's just like the words don't come to him i guess i don't really know they i just get jumbles and stuff in it it's well it's not even that it's just jumbled it's just like it's not even actual letters forming what was i talking about oh yeah so (laughs) conversations with people who are neurodiverse it's very interesting because like there's a lot of ways in which you're connected because you share the similar trait Mm -hmm. there's always differences obviously but i feel like it's really easy to connect with people who have forms of neurodiversity because you guys share some similarities Mm -hmm. and also i know that a lot of people with adhd when you first meet them they'll tend to share their whole life story with you in like the first time they meet you I, i i don't need that i can decrypt that very quickly Cause I've had people overshare a lot, and I overshare a lot. Yeah, I can overshare, but I'm also amazing at figuring out your entire life story before you've told me half of your your name. But you don't remember the name, do you? <laughs> no, I don't. But I do know the life story. Yeah, I f- that's another part of ADHD people don't talk about. Our intuition is actually really good. We're really good at understanding stuff. I'm very but we good just, at reading people. We just don't see the same details everyone else sees. But, like, we're really good at getting stuff. It's just, like, we understand energy in rooms. Or we can watch a movie and usually figure out, like, who the killer is before everyone else. Yeah, I take that to an I can't figure out who the killer is. Because I can come up with literally it's a way that every person could have been the killer. Okay. Or I figure it out so much that I find that the killer couldn't have been the killer, actually, because of blah, 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 blah. Yeah, so it's paying attention to the weird details, but not the main details. Mm-hmm. But And I can read people decently easily, but if they tell me something like their name, I won't remember their name. They expect us to read them in half a second and remember their name? Like, that's unfair. That's unfair. People with ADHD should be... Um, I have another question. Interviewers, yes. Because okay. we can, like, police interviewers and FBI interviewers. That's what our job should be. Okay, I, I think we'd get a little off topic. but Sometimes, but we would also figure out everything about them. Okay. 
So, 504 plans. So, at, at your school, they don't have these. Nope. But if you go to a public high school, there's these things called 504 plans that people can get for accommodations for their, like, ADHD or other forms of neurodiversity. And often these accommodations include things like extra time on tests. Sometimes they can include things like if you're bad at hearing microphones or visuals or stuff like that. What accommodations do you think would be helpful for someone with ADHD? Because I know for me, extra time on tests would not be helpful. It would not change a single thing. Um, the audio processing part would be helpful. Um, let's see here. And making sure the teachers know that they, the, 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 te- the teachers tell the students they can talk to them. Like, really emphasize that. And make sure the teachers are very open. So, teachers need to be more open about talking to them. Yes, and need to be educated about the problem. Yeah, that's a general thing. I think teachers should get more education on ADHD so they can make proper accommodations Mm -hmm. because they really understand what it is because I feel like a lot of them don't quite know what it is. Yeah. Now, before I wrap up this episode, I just wanted to discuss a few of the things that have been going on. So as I have posted on Instagram recently, the past two weeks, I've been working at the TGN Bioscience Leadership Academy, which is a program where 20 high school students in Arizona got selected to have this amazing opportunity to learn more about different fields in the biomedical research field and learn all, all about like different aspects of things they're doing at TGen. It's been a really fun opportunity, and I'm really excited to learn about that. And in addition, I've been able to score another interview that we will be doing later with someone who was giving us a presentation on public speaking and i mentioned i'd hate hg and she mentions that she also had it and i asked her to interview with us so that is coming up but that's not the one we are doing next week next week you are going to be hearing from one of my mom's friends who also works in podcasting so it's going to be a great interview and i'm really excited for that one So if you enjoyed this episode, please consider following the podcast on our TikTok and Instagram at twice underscore exceptional podcast. If you have any questions, please reach out to twice exceptional podcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you.